Welcome to I Let the Dogs Out podcast. So we are coming at you with part two of our conversation about dog adoption. So again, thank you so much to Adriana Stutsky from Candor Cats for coming on and having a chat with us. We definitely had way too much fun and to the point that we actually had to break it up into two episodes because our conversation went on a little bit longer than we had intended it to. So if you guys haven't listened to part one yet, please go do so now just because it will be a lot more cohesive and easier to understand our conversation if you've listened to that part one first. So as you guys already know, my name is Jamie. I am one half of your host team. And I'm Ben. And without further ado, we're going to get into part two. I had passed on lots of dogs that I had met in the shelter because I didn't quite think that they were going to be the right fit. So it just took a little bit of time. It's, it's funny uh, that you say that. So um, when I was working at the Humane Society, everybody was kind of saying to me, uh, well, I'm surprised you've worked here this long and you haven't adopted a dog yet. And, you know, it was just, you know, none of them really were, you know, quite, you know, just the right fit for me. I remember, I remember one specific dog thinking, you know, maybe, maybe, but it didn't end up working out that way. Um, and, yeah, so just the differences between, uh, like, shelters and uh, fosters. So I I love fosters or fostering because it helps the dog, especially if they are a little bit prone to stress or anxiety um, in a shelter environment. They can go to a foster. They can de-stress. They can, you know, have some time to uh thaw right so um, yeah i do like fosters because it's much less of a transition to go from a foster home to your forever home as opposed to a shelter to a home yeah no and i'm gonna like <laughs> i'm just gonna slide in there i think i was at the humane society for like less than a month before I got Carter. Carter? Really? <laughs> he chose me, you guys. He chose me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's absolutely true that sometimes the dog does really choose you and it's not the one that you expected to find. I think something that happens when you work at a shelter for a really long time and I worked at a dog daycare as well, you learn the more that you interact with dogs what you want and what you don't want. Yeah, for sure. And um, one of those things that's really great about fostering is you get to see the dog's personality. Uh, So not only is it nice to, like, if you're kind of like, eh, we're not sure if a dog is going to fit into our home, fostering is a great way to sort of kind of almost trial it out so you can see the dog's personality, make the choice to adopt from there. Uh, But what's really nice too is foster-based rescues It's great because they're placed with fosters. They're in foster's care the whole time. So you get a good understanding of how that dog does in the home, depending on how that foster's environment is set up. So for example, if you have cats and that dog is in a foster with cats, there's a better chance that that dog is going to be a little bit more comfortable when you're introducing them to your new cat. Again, not to say that that's a for sure thing, but you have a little bit more, it's not quite as unknown as if you're seeing a dog that's totally out of his element. Exactly. If you are not sure if a dog or a puppy is right for you, 
foster them. Oh my goodness, foster them. It gives you such a good idea of how your life is going to change, what you can expect from that exact dog, the problems you might encounter, the wonderful habits you didn't realize that you're, that the dog would have that, you know, make you laugh and smile every day. And there's no commitment. If it doesn't work out, if the dog is too much for you, if spontaneously you develop allergies to them, you can just send them back to the rescue when the foster time is done so they can be adopted by somebody else. It's no commitment and it's great. I really love foster-based rescues, again, Jamie, for the same reasons that you said. They can give you so much more information about a dog than a shelter can. That circles back to what I was saying before, where the dogs might act completely different in this weird, stressful situation in a building where they have rotating people and rotating schedules and nothing is really consistent. Foster homes will be able to more honestly tell you, well, yeah, he does good with cats, but he chases them a lot. So a cat that's lived with an energetic dog would be best. Or, oh, yeah, his uh, his reactivity is really bad, so we wouldn't recommend that he go to a home that hasn't had a reactive dog before. It can give you a little bit more security, especially if it's something that is a really hard limit for you. If you desperately need your dog to be good with kids because you run a daycare out of your home, Going to a shelter that can't guarantee how a dog does with kids may not be the best option for you, but taking a look at a foster-based rescue that has a dog where their state, where it says, good with kids, lived in a foster home with kids ages two to five, that can give you so much information to help you make the right fit for your family. And it is awesome. I love the foster-based rescues can do that for people because not everyone can handle those unknowns. Not everyone is prepared for those unknowns. Foster-based rescues can set you up for success that way. Yeah, definitely. And depending, like guys, do your own research. Make an educated decision based on what is best for you. We said this last episode and say it again. We are just here to help guide you. Don't let anybody influence your choices. Make sure that you're looking into it and you're making an educated decision based on what works best for you, what works best for your family. Um, so whether you decide to get a dog through a breeder, through a, uh, sorry, through a reputable breeder is very, very important there. Mm -hmm. Um, try to stay away from a, like the whole Kijiji situation is just a mess. Uh, try to stay away from backyard breeding. A good sign is if they don't allow you to meet the parents or they don't give you any sort of health checks, there's a very good chance they're not a reputable breeder. Transparency is very, very key. Yes, it is. So getting back on kind of, if you did decide to go breeder route, look for transparency with your breeder. If there's, if you're asking a questions and they're not readily answering you, that's a red flag. If you're not able to meet the parents, that's a red flag. If they're not giving you a health record, that's a red flag. If you're going to a reputable breeder, or I say this in air quotes, reputable breeder, and they don't have a health history from past litters or the pat like the parents and they don't have a big tree, then that's another red flag. Embark dog tests are not reliable health tests. Um, I've seen no. lots of like weird Kijiji breeders using Embark tests to like prove lineage and like, oh, they test for XYZ health condition, but that's not the same as actual OFH testing and stuff. So I know somebody who has a purebred Belgian Malinois, which is a notoriously difficult dog breed to own. They have very high drive, lots of very specific needs. They can be very difficult and are not recommended for first time dog owners. 
Um, this friend had grown up with dogs that were not Belgian Malinois, but she did lots of dog stuff. And she was convinced that a Belgian Malinois was the first dog for her to have on her own. The breeder that she went to made her dog sit both of the parents for one month each to make sure that she was ready for what she was committing to. And to hear her say it, she was like, yeah, the parents were absolutely great. And like, it was challenging, but I thought that I was ready. And then I got my puppy and I wasn't ready. She's like the best dog I've ever had. But like, there are days when I wish I did not have her, but it would have been so much worse if Mm. I had not been prepared the way that I was by that breeder. And that breeder no longer breeds. They've decided to retire, but that was something they did for everyone who came to them saying, I want a Belgian Malinois, my first pet, they would say, great, take my most well-behaved one for a month and let me know what you think. Yeah, wow. Not all breeders are going to do that. No. But <laughs> yeah. that, is someone who, that is someone who really cares about their dog. They want to make sure that it is going to a home that is not going to need to bring it back or rehome it or bring it to a shelter, which if you're going for a reputable breeder, they should always take the dog back if it's not working out. If they tell you to take it to a shelter... Eh. red flag um so another (laughs) another thing too is that does that breeder genuinely care about the puppies that are being bred like I know for like for Indy there her breeder she like they keep in touch with us they ask for updates they they want to be involved in these puppies lives as they start growing up so also just like if something's not feeling right it's probably not right it's crew story time! You guys aren't afraid to let that crazy dog lover flag fly, and to us, that's pretty rad. Our crew stories are stories brought to us by you, our listeners, so that we can showcase how truly amazing the bonds with our four-legged furry family members can be. So, without further ado, let's get at it. Welcome to the second edition of I Let the Dogs Out podcast crew stories. This story is from Megan and Colton, uh, and it is about the day Yogi picked us. So Megan writes, when we found out our friend's Labrador retriever was expecting puppies, we were so excited. When we got the text from our friend that she had 11 puppies, we were thrilled and asked once they were old enough if we could come see the puppies and pick out our little one. I remember the day like yesterday. It was October 27th, 2019, the day after a Halloween social, so we both had a little bit of a hangover, but nothing was stopping us to go and see which puppy would be ours. When we got there, our friend was telling us which ones were spoken for from some of their family members and some other friends of ours that came earlier to pick out puppies as well. When we walked into where the puppies were, I was greeted first by a puppy with a blue collar. My fiancé was holding one of the other puppies and asked me my thoughts on that one, so I stopped petting the blue-collar boy to see this other one. As I was holding this other puppy, I noticed that the little blue-collar boy was just sitting by my feet and looking up at me the whole time. I told my fiancé that I really like the blue-collar puppy, and this puppy was just staying beside me the entire time. It was like this puppy knew already that he was the one we needed to take home. We stayed there for a while and watched them play around, and the blue-collar puppy was always checking up on us. I looked at my fiancé and said, I think he picked us. He's the one that is supposed to come home with us. 
My fiancé agreed, and we told our friend that blue-collar puppy was the one we wanted. Fast forward to now, Yogi is a year old and such a goofball. Yogi and I have such a great bond. My fiancé's job takes him away from home for the week, so it's just Yogi and me. Yogi never leaves my side at night and knows when I'm feeling anxious or just need a cuddle and is there. Yogi has taught us so much and has gotten me out of my shell more. He has gotten me to love hiking and exploring, and we've done different training classes, and I even started an Instagram account for him when I was born in March when COVID started, and I needed something to take my mind off all the things going on in the world. Uh, and I believe the account is Yogi the Lab underscore, uh, maybe it's two underscores, uh, but it has great positive content. Um, she continues, I am now on Yogi's account more than mine, and I have met and found so many local businesses that are crazy about their dogs as much as I am. We are so lucky to have Yogi in our lives, and we can't imagine life without him. My fiancé, Colton, and I are so glad he picked us. Uh, what a great story, um, and I do, myself, uh, follow Yogi on Instagram because it is just such a great positive um, thing to see. And their story does, and I'm sure for a lot of people, uh, their story, especially the specifics of choosing Yogi, remind me of how I chose Cooper or how Cooper chose me. He was checking in on me a lot, hanging around me. Um, so I'm sure a lot of people can definitely relate to this story as well. And let me just say, I also follow Yogi on Instagram and he is the sweetest, cutest little Bubba in the whole wide world. So thank you so much to Megan for sharing that story. It really is cool to see how a lot of the times our dogs really do pick us and oh, it just makes me so happy. So if you guys have a story you want us to highlight in our next cruise story segment, please email us at iletthedogsout at candorcanineco.com. Yeah, exactly. Trust your gut. Don't let other people kind of stray you a certain way. But regardless of if you're going with a breeder, you decide to go with a rescue, a shelter, whatever you decide, I wanted to talk about how you can start preparing your home for your new dog. So managing your environment is so key to setting your dog up to succeed and setting your dog up to succeed is key in raising a puppy, transitioning a new dog into the home. Really (laughs) any sort of aspect of your dog's life, you should always be setting them up to succeed. So in regards to especially adopting a new puppy when they're, you know, mouthing and nipping and doing all of those inappropriate play behaviors. Um, it's a lot easier to redirect than it is to shut those behaviors, you know, completely down. So it's about setting up them up for success, uh, their environment. So having, you know, animal 
chews, having plastic chews, rubber chews, all of that good stuff so that, you know, you're setting them up to be successful. Yeah. And also remember too, that mouthing and all these types of behaviors that people don't find very appealing, like for puppies, mouthing, biting, digging, tearing, those are all very normal dog things to do. So you shutting it down is just not an option. You have Mm -hmm. to give them an alternative. You have to give them, you have to guide them to what you want them to like what you deem as appropriate. So a big way to do that is manage your environment and prevent them from getting access to those things. My biggest thing, I love X-Pens, baby gates. Uh, Make sure that you're setting your dog up to succeed in the environment. You can't have a piece of food on the table and not expect your puppy to come up and grab it or what have you, right? So having your environment managed so you're preventing them from being in a situation where they might fail is super important. And obviously that's the definition of setting your dog up to succeed. Obviously, because I have never brought a new puppy into my home. And when I brought Odie into my home, he was a foster dog. So I had lots of time to set him up and learn things. I don't have as much to speak about uh, in terms of managing your dog's environments and expectations. But what I can tell you is if you are planning on adopting a dog, the very least that you can do before you adopt your dog is have all of your essentials already at home. There is nothing worse than trying to hold on to a squiggly puppy or a dog that doesn't really know you that well in the middle of a busy pet store while you're trying to grab all of the things that you need. So you are adopting a dog at the very least, make sure that you have food dishes, water dishes, food, treats, a couple of toys, a blanket or a bed that's their very own. And please bring a collar and a leash. You need to get your dog out of there safely. Yeah. And always make sure to establish a safe space right off the get go. So for, especially for an older, an older dog too, like not like old, like any dog that is not a puppy age. Yeah. An adult dog. Sorry. Uh, Creating a safe space is key. Like give them a small or an area of the house that is like, Hey, all good things come from here. If you're feeling overwhelmed, come in here. We won't bother you. This is your space. Uh, that can really help with easing that transition into the new home because, again, it's scary as heck. It is a new house. It's a new neighborhood. They might not have ever lived in the city before. If they now live in the city, there's new smells, there's new sounds, there's mm-hmm. so much stimulation going on that it's very overwhelming for your dog. So you're talking about a safe space. Um, like good examples are like exercise pens or crates. Um, and something that I always want to note on when, you know, I'm talking about safe spaces is that it should be a space that they are at least somewhat familiar with. It shouldn't be a place that they're rarely in because then it can be a point of seclusion. So especially, you know, you adopt a new dog, resources are changing all of a sudden, they're put in a room they've never been before and you're off running errands, that can be really scary for a new dog. It can be beneficial if you put them in a room or a space that they have some familiarity with or good things happen in that area. Yeah. You want to properly condition that to be a safe space. Like it's your spare room in your house isn't automatically a safe space for your dog. You have to properly show them that this is a safe space for you to be. And you can do that by properly conditioning that positive association to being in there. So that's another thing too, is when you are setting your dog up to succeed, you want to make sure if you bring a new dog home, try to make sure that you have some time to help them acclimate to their new 
environment. You don't want to just bring a dog home and then the next day leave for eight and a half hours to go to work, right? This also goes if you are bringing home a new dog and you already have a resident dog or dogs, you need to be sure that you have a safe sanctuary space for your new dog and for your resident dog in spaces that are separate. Um, A slow introduction is super, super, super important when you're bringing a new dog into your home. If your resident dog has never lived with another dog before, you need to be able to supervise them and separate them in the event that something goes a little bit wonky while they're kind of figuring out that there are still enough resources for everybody. This space can be shared. This is a play zone. This is a please don't bother me zone. So it's important to have ways to keep them separate and safe at the same time, whether that's having a baby gate between a door so that one dog has one half, the other dog has the other half, or maybe you have their crates in different areas of the house or whatever, whatever it is, just making sure that you have enough to go around for both of the dogs and that they both have spaces where they can go if they're not comfortable in the presence of each other. Yeah, that's absolute key. And that also goes towards meeting new people as well. So when you first get a dog, as exciting as it is and how much you want to have all your friends meet them and all your family members meet them, of course, with COVID right now, that's not really something that you can do, but in regular circumstances, give your time, as Ben would say, time to thaw before you start introducing them to all these new people. Yeah. So uh, just two things. So slow introductions are, again, I just want to reiterate, they are so important. It's I almost think of it, um, and it may not be the best metaphor, but I almost think of it like a haircut. You want to go bit by bit. (laughs) You can cut too much off and you can get, you know, have something bad happen. So just go bit by bit, slower, uh, you know, the safer, the better. So something uh, that my, uh, one of my clients actually, uh, they put it into uh, like this phrase. It was um, just so I should keep my dog's world very small. And that's exactly it. You're going to be producing, you know, more things or um, more intense things bit by bit. You're not going to be throwing, you know, everything at them all at once. It's going to be very overwhelming. Let them de-stress. You know, you don't have to take them for a big, long walk in the first, you know, few days. Let them relax in the home uh, so that they can get their feet under them, de-stress and, you know, thaw. Yeah, no, that's a very good point. I like that a lot. That is good. And while you're giving your dog time to thaw, that is where you will start to learn more important things about them so that you're ready and prepared for when you do hit that three month mark where everything is comfortable and everything is good. And we know each other, we know that we're safe. We know our routine, we know our neighborhood. And that's one of the biggest things is we can talk circles about where you potentially could get your dog, what to look for, what breed traits there are. And at the end of the day, it, you, you never really know what you're going to get. You can only make, you can only make as best of a decision in the moment through educating yourself, if that makes sense. Yeah, that absolutely <laughs> does make sense. Like if you are informed and you've done research, you've taken a look at your life, your priorities, the way that things are scheduled in your, in your life, you will be so far better equipped to make a decision on a dog that is right for your household than if you were to just 
impulsively walk into a shelter or contact a breeder to say, Hey, I'm looking for a dog. This one looks great. Let's go. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that you guys have heard enough from us for today. So thank you so much, Adriana, for coming on. And if there was one point that you really wanted to drive home to our listeners, what would that be? So the one point that I would really want to drive home to listeners is that as long as you have done research and really thought long and hard about what kind of dog is best for you to bring into your family. It doesn't matter if you adopt that dog from a shelter or a rescue, or if you decide to purchase that dog from a breeder, as long as you have taken the lengths that you need to, to find out what dog is right for you. When you find that right dog, you have made the right decision by bringing it into your home. And To add on to that, again, sometimes things don't work out. It is a reality of the shelter world. It is okay if you are struggling with that dog. There are so many tools out there to help you set yourself up for success and to help your dog set yourself up for success. Jamie and Ben are two wonderful resources. If you are having training issues or questions and concerns that you don't know what to do with, if it really is not working out and it really is not the best fit for you, Sometimes it's not what we like to see, but it is okay to contact your shelter to see if you can bring the dog back. It is so much more worth it to not put yourself through extreme amounts of stress, to not put the dog through extreme amounts of stress in a situation that is just not a good fit. And there is no need to feel ashamed for that or to feel judged for that. We won't judge you. Sometimes sometimes things really don't work out and we would rather try again to match you with a dog that is a better fit for you so that you can be happy and to try to match that dog with a different family that might be a better fit for them. So don't ever feel bad if that is a situation you find yourself in. You can always try to go for help first again from people like Jamie or people like Ben or, you know, go through different avenues before you get to that result of having to bring your dog back. But if it is something that happens, it is okay. It's a really important point to drive home because again, there is such a big stigma about that. And it is a very sensitive topic. Obviously, it's something that a lot of people feel ashamed about. Um, And again, at the end of the day, if you're doing a choice that's going to benefit you and the dog, and you know that that dog could maybe thrive in a different household, don't let people judge you for that, that choice. You're doing the best thing that you can for that animal. And again, uh, our last point to really drive home that Adriana kind of touched on before was regardless of if you get your dog from a breeder, you get them from a rescue, you get them from a shelter, however you decide to get your dog, just do your research, do some education on the, the general breed, make sure that you're getting a dog that fits your lifestyle, fits your household. And remember that it's not a, a last minute decision. You are going into a, a like potentially 15 year commitment. Man, managing your expectations, I think is really important because when people end up taking a dog home, they think, okay, now we can relax. What are we doing? Managing, managing expectations. Well, you guys, that is it. That is all. You have officially listened to episode three. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you were hearing today, please leave us a review. We will be forever grateful. If you want to follow Jamie, myself, I guess, on Instagram, I'm at CandorK9Co. Ben is at Polite underscore Pets. And you can find Adriana at CandorCats. We'll see you guys next time.